Today's podcast would not have been possible without a little help from a rowboat and Martin Sheen. Well, the rowboat and Martin Sheen have no idea that they helped me, but trust me, they did. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Can we talk a little while? Find a way to change your mind. You walk away every time. Why'd I ever say goodbye? You're in my head every night. Do I ever cross your mind? Now we're strangers on the street. Music of my guest today on the program, Roshin O. Let me tell you a little bit about Roshin O. But before I do, let me tell you a little bit about what an idiot I am. All right, so a while back we had Cathal Coughlin on the show. Now, Cathal was the singer of Micro Disney and Fatima Mansions. I love the guy. He's like one of my favorite songwriters, and the conversation was fabulous. The episode went great. Got a great reaction, wonderful letters, and then this one came in. Hey, Alex, love the interview with Cathal Coughlin. Very insightful and fascinating chat. But that aside, I want to let you know that you literally mangled every syllable of his name. You Americanized it and in the process battered it into unrecognizable submission. Great conversation, terrible pronunciation. Callum from Cork, Ireland. Well, I mean, I think you pronounce his name Callum, and I think you call it Cork, and I believe it is Ireland. Do I have that right? Well, anyway, I did screw it up. I'm still mispronouncing Cathal's name, but I'm not going to pronounce the name of my guest today on the program incorrectly. It won't happen. I've already gotten it right. I'm one for one. Let's see how it goes. But here's how I found an easy way to know how to pronounce the name. Row, as in rowboat, and Sheen, as in Martin Sheen. Hence the rowboat Martin Sheen connection. And then, of course, there's an O at the end of the name. It's Roshin O. And, of course, the O part was easy. So Roshin O is my guest today. And now I'm going to tell you a little bit about Roshin O. I don't know if you've caught on, but I keep saying her name over and over again just to bask in the glory of getting it right. Now, the O in Roshin O's name stands for O'Reilly making her the sister of Danny O'Reilly of the Coronas and the daughter of the legendary Mary Black. 
both, by the way, I should mention, were past guests on this program. I seem to be on some kind of mission to interview the entire family. Roisin's 2012 debut, The Secret Life of Blue, was a stirring and sonorous collection that announced her arrival in a big way. Over the course of her career, she's played on bills with everyone from Brian Ferry to Lionel Richie, opened for her mom on her U.S. tour, formed the band Thanks Brother with John Bro, and she's been known to post YouTube clips of her covering tracks by Selena Gomez and Sia. Her new album, Courageous, is a powerful and evocative collection, filled with some of the most captivating vocals you'll hear all year. The album is a bold and artistic step forward. It really is beautiful work. And this conversation, super cool. Let's get to it. Here's me and Roisin O having a chat right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. I get it. I get into a, a definitely a routine of working really long hours. And, you know, if I'm not working late at night, it's like, Oh, I'm missing something. I'm, you know, I, I find it hard to switch off then when you, when you get into that routine of just working, you know, nine to eight, nine till 10 every day, <laughs> you know, doing yeah. something, especially in this job, because I am my own boss. You know, so there's no one there to tell me to clock out, you know, so and it's all it all comes down to me. So, yeah, when I when I get into that mode, sometimes you need to take time and be like, okay, no, it's okay. It's okay to take the weekend off. You know, it's okay to clock off at eight o'clock and watch TV. You know, yeah, sometimes you have to tell yourself that. But but um, at the same time, no, I love it. And I, I I like to get on top of it and and make sure I'm ticking off all the boxes for the stuff I got to do. But yeah, no, it's worthwhile. Big time. If, if you do find yourself relaxing a lot, is there an inner voice that says to you, like, you should get to work, you should be doing yeah. things? <laughs> always, yeah. always. I, sometimes I'm okay at the weekend, you know, it's like, okay, it's okay, leave it till Monday morning, you know? But uh, yeah, I, I do, I've done a lot of the time I'm working at the weekend gigging anyway, so, <laughs> you know, it's one or the other. Yeah, it's always, a conventional lifestyle has always, because I don't have one either, but a conventional lifestyle has always seemed very orderly where it's like you're on at nine you're off at five your weekends are clean and off you go right but ultimately um because you're an artist there is the structure is really kind of there isn't any structure right it's sort of like (laughs) just make it up as you go along for sure yeah and and there's so many different aspects to it it's not like I get up in the morning and just sit at the laptop and and stay there you know it's like well I have to do rehearsal I have to do admin I have to you know record I have to write I have to practice my you know vocal technique practice guitar you know do do all the promo <laughs> you know there's so many different bits to it that uh yeah it's like is it all done because it's, it's never done you know <laughs> no it's not <laughs> it's always more to do especially I think the admin side of it seems to me for an artist would be the most difficult part yeah yeah I I actually I I think I'm I 
I have a good handle on it. You know, I, I love making lists and ticking off all the boxes. So okay. admin stuff is very doable that way. Whereas I find it much more daunting to, okay, I have to write today. That's a lot more daunting to me than, than ticking off boxes on admin, you know, cause you know, that's, that's the real part of being a musician, you know, I like, you know, making the art is the stuff that's a lot scarier to me and stuff that, you know, only more recently has, has, has become easier, you know, as I've gotten older and gotten more confident in it, you know. Is it because the admin stuff is very, there's a practicality to it, sort of like, okay, these are the things that need to be done and I can check those yeah. off the box. I have control of that. Exactly. The artistic side, you're summoning it from the ether. Yeah, exactly. And it, it might not happen. And like, you, right. you know, with the admin side, you can do it all pretty much if you have the time, whereas you might have all the time in the world and not get the artistic side done, you know, if you're not in the right place or, or you can't you can't find the right feeling or the right chord, you know. So, yeah, like it, it's daunting thinking about it. But at the same time, I always find when I when I do, you know, do make myself sit down and write like I've never I've never said, well, that was a complete like waste of time. You know, you're always, even if it's not a hit or it's not your favorite song, it's, it's still good just to sit down and create, even if it's just for yourself. What happens to you when you do try to summon from the ether and nothing comes? And, and is, that, is that a weird, and it, this is a good thing for young artists who are listening to hear mm. you say, no pressure. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think it's that bad if, if nothing comes. I think that's part of it. You can't like I don't think we're all, you know, you know, we're not all Elton John or just, you know, constantly churning out amazing stuff, you know, and I think I think even Elton John would say that he has some bad songs, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, there are times when it doesn't come and I don't think I, I don't think that can be expected from anyone to constantly constantly everything you everything you write be absolutely perfect or or not need a lot of work or or be something that you're proud of you know i think it's sometimes it's those in between songs that that you need to get out of the way to get to the good stuff you know so yeah for sure. yeah i think that's true i'm a writer and there are times where i'll sit down and nothing's there like nothing's happening right and it's sort of like okay other times i sit down and it's all there um yeah. i can't explain why is it the weather is it the day of the week is it you know is it because i didn't eat or didn't sleep or is it just because the universe gives you access or it doesn't yeah yeah i think for me sometimes i do i do need to be a little bit inspired i think for it to be really good you know i can't just be like okay no i i need to write a new album and then go and sit down and and sometimes i sit down and i do that and i'll write a good song and it might, might be even some of the my more more popular songs that I've written might have been created in that way where I have to write it I need to write a radio friendly song so I'll go and try and write it you know but I think for me the songs I'm most proud of come from when I don't need to write it and I the only reason I need I want to write is is because I'm feeling this insane emotion and I need to get it down I need to to say the words out loud I need to write down the lyrics because if I don't you know, I'll burst into tears or maybe the writing down the lyrics will make me burst into tears. And that's what I need, you know, right. um, that's what I found a lot, especially with writing this album, Courageous. It's really hard on the sleeve stuff. And I, I wrote a lot of the songs when I was in lockdown and I wasn't even sure if I was going to be going back to Roshino. So I really wrote those songs for myself 
and as a therapy for myself that you know that dealing with emotions that maybe I hadn't dealt with before or admitting to myself about things about my past that I I wasn't really saying out loud and it was only until I wrote the songs that I really realized those things about myself so I, I think those are the songs I'm most proud of um and yeah they come at times where you, you can't you can't schedule that you know <laughs> no you can't when you said you weren't sure you were going to go back did, what was the what was going on in your in your mind and what was the resolution like how did it all sort itself out well I suppose I when I started my career you know I released my fir- my first album I think it was 2012 you know I was really young when I re- recorded that album and and I released it and I toured and and uh, I really enjoyed all that and and then I started in a I started a new band called Thanks Brother um, which I absolutely loved with John Bro, which was a bit of, of a departure from where I was and where I am now but I really enjoyed that but you know you know some sometimes these things don't work out and John John and who was in the band with me decided to go in a different direction and it sort of came to a natural end and that all happened around the time of lockdown and I was sort of in a place where I was like oh what will I do now like I sort of felt like I can't go back to Roshino you know that's old hat and uh, maybe I'll start a new band and I, I started talk, talking to my now manager, Adele, who was the head of a big radio station over here. And I was sort of chatting to her and she was a very good sort of life coach. And I, I was saying this stuff to her and she sort of made me feel that like, Roshin, you have this huge fan base online and people want to hear your voice. I was putting up covers and, and they were getting all these thousands of views online and and people were really engaging with my with my solo Instagram and stuff again and she was like you'd be mad not to go back and and to do the Roshino again so with her you know advice and and I sort of think I needed that sort of little push to say no you know people do want to hear what you have to say and and you have a lot to say and uh, after that you know I released I released a single a cover of Selena Gomez's You Lose You to Love Me and and that sort of absolutely blew up online and sort of gave me that push to say to think no people want to hear my voice and and uh yeah I started you know, had written a few songs in lockdown and and released them and yeah it, it's, it couldn't be be going better for me yeah. to be honest yeah it's it's been great since then and I'm I'm really glad I went back because I've just you know getting more and more engagement with the fans and and people love each each single more than the next so yeah happy with the it, decision for me just it's interesting to hear hear you say that you thought about not going back because it seems to me that for myself like I would go well that would be the natural place to go and it's interesting that you were kind of kicking against that a little bit so yeah. I want to know I want to know why you were kicking against it and two I want to know what the other option was because I don't think you were going to like sell real estate right no no <laughs> the other option was I suppose maybe to start a different band or to be a solo act but under a new name something like that you know and and I suppose the reason I got into Thanks Brother was, well, John is this amazing producer, songwriter, musician, and working with him, I felt like it really brought out the best in me. And I think uh, when I was doing in this, doing the solo Roshino in the beginning, it was very daunting. It's it's hard to be a solo act. That you, you have to take on all the pressures. You don't have, uh, you know, anyone to share all the negative times with or to vent with or to share the workload. And... It, it can be a lot of pressure, you know, and, and I think I, that's what I loved about being in the band. I had to, someone to share the highs and the lows with. Um, and it was a little bit daunting to think about going back to that. 
Um, but you know, when I talked to Adele, I eventually asked Adele to be my manager and it didn't feel, it almost feels now like, you know, we're a team and, and we share this thing together now. And, and, um, yeah, it, I think also I'm older now and I, I have more confidence in myself as a songwriter and as a performer and those reasons why I wanted to be in a band, maybe they're actually not really there anymore now that I, that I really think of it, you know, I don't, I, I can do it myself. I, I, I don't need to to have one, someone by my side, you know, and, and, you know, it's sort of nice to be my own boss as well and not have to, you know, ha have to answer to anybody else is also a good, good, one of the good parts of being a solo act, you know. Right, yeah, exactly. And that's how it is with the podcast. It's like, this is, this is, I'm, I'm the guy. So if yes. it happens or it doesn't happen, it's because it's because of me, right? Exactly, yeah. And um, which is, which is an amazing amazing feeling when you really embrace it and you go I'm a pretty good boss yeah I'm, I'm doing pretty good for myself right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm okay um, but yeah. what, I, what I am hearing in in what you're saying is that there is a it seems like you like to collaborate you like mm -hmm. you like that sort of the feeling of collaboration ultimately might be at the root of of what all of this is yeah um and now you've got that collaborative element in the sense that you feel there's a partnership with your manager so that's great um, but maybe that is really the root of of artistically, like to feel that you are collaborating with people might be one of the nice things for you. I think definitely. I think I work my best when I'm working with people. I think I can get too much in my head when I'm on my own. Like if I start writing a song, even on my own, I'm like, oh, right from the start, I could, I'll dismiss it. This is too cheesy. This this isn't good enough. You know, this melody is, isn't good, you know? And then sometimes I'll, I'll be in a room and I, like a lot of the songs on this album are, are co-writes with, with other collaborators. And especially with that, you know, like my brother Danny has a few, I've written a few songs with him on the album and, and he's so, so great to work with, you know, and, and when I, it's like, I, I can see myself and I have those moments, even when I'm writing with him and just to have someone to bounce off, who's like, no, that's not cheesy or yeah, it is cheesy. Let's, let's try it this way. You know, just to have someone to collaborate with in that sense. And I feel like I, I get there quicker when I have someone um, who I trust and, and who I respect, you know, in the, in the music, in the musical world to, to bounce those ideas off. So, yeah, I just, I just love it. I think it brings out the best in me. I'm, I really, I, I, I I'm still learning my craft in terms of production and that side of things. So I, I, I find it in, invaluable to, to be able to go into a room with someone who, who can work around a, you know, a DAW so quickly and I can straight away, I can just use my talents that I, I know are, are amazing already. Like I've, I've quite good lyrical and top line ability with melodies and, and I feel like that's my strength and it, it, I find it much easier to access a really good part of that when I have someone else to bounce off who's good at other things, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like you do that part because I don't want I don't want, I'm not good at that stuff, <laughs> right? Yeah, you do yeah. it. You do it. Yeah, like or even or even just like yeah, you do it, and I'll tell you if I like it or not. <laughs> you know, because I know what I like, but you know, I might not be as good as you at doing it. <laughs> That's a good system, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, because I was thinking about how when I with my I teach English and my students will they'll say, you know, the, the paper's almost due and they'll say like, I have got, I've got nothing written. And I'll say, we've had three weeks. How do you have nothing written? And they'll say, well, I'll write a sentence and then I'll erase it. Right. Yeah. Like, but you're, you're in, like you were saying, like your inner critic, you'll start something and your, and your inner critic goes, that's no good. Get rid of that. Yeah. Um, exactly. How are you dealing with that 
with that voice now? Are you sort of, are you recognizing that that, that voice isn't really, that the inner critic is a, is a pain in the neck and it's not always yeah. right, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I think I'm dealing with it a lot better now. You know, I, I, I used to stop myself before I'd even start. I used to have, you know, I'd be like, oh, no, I don't want to write because it's going to be bad. You know, and a lot more now I've, especially since writing this album, it's like, oh wait, I actually am a good songwriter. And having that confidence in myself has been huge just to, you know, be able to go into a room with other people and, and feel that confidence in myself and say that I've got something to bring to the table here and I, I'm going to, you know, shout my corner. And it, it even feeling that in myself, I think makes me be a, be a better writer, you know, and um, be more open to making mistakes. It's okay. You know, as we were talking about before, like you have to make, you have to, you know, wade through some SH1T to get to the good stuff. Do you yeah, you know I mean? you do. <laughs> can, can you... It's interesting also, I mean, in terms of how it, I mean, can you take a note in terms of like, let's say you really like something you have going on and someone says to you like, oh, I don't know, like, are you good at taking a note and do you know when to fight for the existence of what you believe to be good, even though the other person is saying like, eh, I'm not so sure about that. Mm. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think. I, I think I'm I think I'm good for the most part. Yeah, taking criticism. I, that's as I said before, part of the reason why I love working with people. If someone else is really against it, I it makes it does make me think. But as you said, if 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 I feel I'm I'm a very big believer of of going with your gut, and if his gut, my gut tells me, well, I still think it's good, even though they don't. Yeah. You know, I think I I am good at at realizing that that I, that in itself that that exchange will help my resolve and actually no I do like it and I don't care whether they like it or not I want to keep it or you know that type of thing or even actually now that they've said it I I think I agree with them they're both uh, to me they're those are both good feelings that I yeah I try to steer my myself towards 100% yeah it's funny because like a friend of mine is an actor and he was telling me that if he goes to an audition and he gets a note where they say yeah we're you know here's the problem we have with it in his brain, he's like, they're wrong. But then if he goes to two or three more auditions and he gets the same note, he goes, okay, I'm seeing a pattern here, right? Yeah. So yeah. If, you, if you find that the feedback you're getting on something that you really feel good about, but you're finding several people are saying the same things, that will prick up your ears a bit and go, hmm, maybe I need to think about that. Yeah, for sure. But I do think it like the difference would be that, that as, as an actor, he's there doing a job also for someone else in a way yeah. you know, he's working for the director and everything and the difference for me I suppose is I'm making music while I'm making music for my fans I'm really making the music that I want to make I'm the director and the actor you know yeah. so so I don't really in a way I don't really have to think about that as much but of course it's going to affect how I think of it if some if I, I'm in a room of people who I really respect and want to work with and there's three of them there and all three of them are saying no maybe you should change the lyric to this maybe this lyric is better yes it will 100% I will 100% probably go with that unless it's a lyric it's like no there's some reason behind this lyric that you guys don't understand that means so much to me and I'm going to put it in for that reason you know so. are there are there things on the album that you fought for that you just defended that nobody else supported are there a little few moments like that um that not hugely some small bits like I remember I was writing Stolen. Um, well, I wrote most of Stolen with Gavin James, who's a great Irish singer-songwriter. And uh, 
uh, Gavin was mad busy, he was on tour. So I ended up finishing the song with my brother Danny when we were down in a, a dingle in our old family home. And um, he was listening. I had written most of, the, most of the lyrics already when I brought it to him and and he was going through the song with me and he was like, those lyrics in, the, in that first verse, you know, he said, I remember he wasn't trying to be critical, but he was like, they're a bit like obvious, you know, <laughs> you know, he was like the, uh, um, I like well, the line was like, I could try to walk away, but all I want to do is stay. I'm lost for words anyway, because all we had was stolen. And and he was like, they're a bit, they're not, you know, they're a, li they're a little bit obvious. Maybe would you think about changing those lyrics, try writing a new verse? And straight away, I was, and usually I'd be very susceptible to him saying something like that. But straight away, I was like, no, I'm, I'm, they meant something so important to me in, in the moment that I wrote them. And they say exactly what I want them to say. And even if they're simple and even if they're cheesy, they feel right to me. So, you know, I, I didn't change them. And straight away, he, you know, it doesn't matter to him. He was just trying to help me make the song better. But yeah, I, that was one of the one times I remember thinking, yeah, no, I, I'm happy with that. And even if, if someone else who I really respect doesn't like it, I'm, I'm keeping it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's cool to hear that you'll, that you've, that you'd fight for something and go, you know, I'm going to stick with that. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. You know, exactly. yeah. Danny, um, Danny's been on the show three times and he was a really early supporter of the a very early supporter of the show and really one of the nicest guys. And I mean, really just a truly nice person um, collaborating with him. And he was telling me how you guys were writing together a couple of years ago, um, mm. collaborating with him. How has that changed over the years? Because it seems like you guys have both as songwriters have really deepened in terms of what you're doing. Um, yeah. Has that process also deepened with the, with the art itself? I think so. Like, you know, in the beginning when I started, First, I wrote my first song with ever went with Danny when I was about 15 or 16, you know, and at that time he was he was already on his way to becoming an amazing songwriter. He's three and a half years older than me. So he always had that leg up. And in my mind, you know, he was always the great songwriter. I was the great singer in the family, you know, and and that was something that I I, I thought was going to be like that for the rest of our lives. But it's funny when as I got older and started writing more with different people, Danny, you know, came to me and said, hey, do you want to write a song with me for the Coronas? And it was always him writing a song with me for me, you know, so it was really nice to, to see that moment where, oh, he thinks I'm a good enough writer to write a song for his band, you know, and and we've done that a lot now. I've written on on the last three albums. I think I have co-writes and and. You know, he doesn't just do it, you know, it's, it's just because he thinks I'm a good songwriter. And and so that is a, an amazing feeling of, of how we've developed, you know, um, working together. And we do, it is so easy to work together because we're brother and sister. So there isn't that awkwardness if you're writing with someone that you don't know so much to be like, oh, I better not say that, that might, they might get upset with that. Or, you know, there's no yeah. filter with us. It's like, nah, don't, don't like that. I don't like yeah, it's okay, but like, I think we can do better. And there's no, we don't have to like tiptoe around each other, but we're also, you know, we're, we're friendly enough that we don't like shot, shoot each other down really harshly, either. <laughs> you know? So we, our, our relationship works really well with, with, with songwriting. And I think we both have a, you know, we have a good respect for each other's craft and, and how, and our songwriting ability. So yeah, it's definitely changed since we were, you know, teenagers, but uh, it's a good change, I think. Sun fell dark on your face Your eyes they woke as the morning broke Time to take this love away Stood strong and proud 
said the day will come when I swallow this gun And you whispered as I walked away I don't care what you say We won't be better this way surprise people that you listen to you know like sometimes people will because I, I would think i'd listen to your album and i would go i'll bet i can pick things that you like right because i <laughs> but but are there are there musicians or bands that you listen to that you that you sort of marvel at um that actually might might people might be surprised to find that you are yeah. are fond of yeah maybe like i have a a big mix of of bands that i love um one from a very young age that might <laughs> might surprise people is Red Hot Chili Peppers. They were from a very young age, one of my my favorite bands, and I still love them to this day. I'm going to see them this summer in Ireland, actually. Um, and yeah, like obviously you might not hear that directly in, as an influence in my no. music. But... <laughs> <laughs> that is surprising. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, like them, and then there's a, a lot of dance acts as well. Like I love Daft Punk and Chemical Brothers. And, you know, but then I love like one of my favorite female artists is Joni Mitchell. So I'd say you hear that a bit more in some of the songs, you know, so but that's that's the spectrum. You know, I I I love like James Taylor. It's one of my favorites as well, you know, and it's all the way from there 
up to who did I see recently the last time that we had a big festival of Ireland I went to see the prodigy <laughs> who were a band that I I loved growing up to you know so yeah music for me is you know as much as I you know I don't sound like the chili peppers or I don't sound like the prodigy it's it does I don't think that says anything in particular it's just when I when I write songs that's that's not the way I would like would like to express myself but uh I love I love the prodigy and I I love red hot chili peppers I love daft punk as much maybe not as as much as Joni Mitchell I have a certain connection with her yeah but uh you know it's on it's all on a spectrum for me and yeah it's all beautiful music you know how would you rate Joni as a singer like in, in those oh one of the best of all time I think yeah I I she really I think she changed my perspective on on music um I first heard her when I was about 14 I I uh, was rifling through my my mom's albums and uh blue album was there and and it's still to this day my 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 favorite album um I still listen to it now and and it surprises me you know and I think the way she writes lyrics the way she sings melodies um I had just never heard anything like that before you know uh, and uh she did it so perfectly and every song on that on that album is a story and a masterpiece and but so simple even the way she she speaks and she's so conversational at times and so completely metaphorical at other times you know but it's just a perfect mix and the guitar playing and the piano playing is is just unparalleled i think isn't she sort of deceptively complex like you do, it doesn't sound complex at first yeah really, but it, technically it is oh totally totally and even like her guitar tunings was something that I picked up at an early age that apparently uh because she had polio she had to she had to tune the guitar a certain way to get her fingers around it and that's what made her song sound so individual you know so that's what made me I'd try those guitar tunings around the d's and the g's and and yeah it as you said yeah and the, the vocals like she goes to these places that you just wouldn't expect but they don't sound wrong <laughs> you know they right. sound so right you know yeah I could listen to her all day yeah no she's she's remarkable the um what I love about you liking the chili peppers just yeah. to go back to that for a second is yeah. you know Anthony Kiedis is not you wouldn't call him a, a technically great singer, but yeah. he's a cool, but he's a cool vocalist. Like he's a really cool oh, yeah. guy to listen to. And, yeah. and you are such a, an exquisite singer that I like that you can hear somebody who's, who's not and find and find the value and find the beauty and find the power in what they do, even though it's not, it's a totally different thing than what you do. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, totally. And with Anthony Kiedis, you know, yeah and you hear hear him live and he's not he's not always amazing but that's not really the point <laughs> no you know you know the point is his performance and you know he still writes you know he writes the lyrics and and he writes those melodies and and they work they work with the music so well and uh yeah it is it's a completely different thing but uh, yeah you know nearly as just as enjoyable maybe not as enjoyable as Joni but you know it's up there it's a different it's a different place in my musical brain you know it serves a different purpose for me I think it's almost like um cross training yeah different <laughs> types of cardio <laughs> artistic cardio when you um when you go see someone play live um mm -hmm. can you can you enjoy it as a fan 
or do you hear when the singer misses a note or makes an error and does that get in the way of the of the way you enjoy the performance um no i think most of the time i can be a fan definitely okay. now, I, I i will hear i will hear if they if they sing out a tune obviously or if there's a bum note or something but i don't i wouldn't let that i don't i don't try not to let it affect me um, the only one time it affected me, actually, one time, the only time I can really think of coming away, but I think the whole crowd felt the same nearly was I saw Bob Dylan recently, well, a couple of years back, and I was always a huge Bob Dylan fan, and and I just couldn't hear what he was saying, he was just mumbling the whole time, you know, and like, you're like listening, you're really trying to listen, like, what song is this, and then you don't, you're like, oh, I don't know this song, and then he's like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> and, and then it's like it, it turns it turns out to be like tambourine man and you're like what so oh it's like or you know just because he says tambourine man in the middle of this song that you've no recollection of like you've never heard the song before but you know that was the only time i was ever like and i think it was because i loved the original you know the actual bob dylan of of that i know from records and that was not what the live show was so i don't know if that's a comment on on his singing uh, technique or or just what i wanted to hear at that gig you know you know what i mean yeah, I saw him in 89 and the Pogues opened up. Oh, and wow. Yeah, I know. And Shane, Shane McGowan, unfortunately, um, got detained at the airport. So he wasn't there. So oh, uh, I think I think Spider had to do the vocals. But anyway, they played and Dylan, then Dylan came on. And about an hour into the show, I turned to my friend and I said, I hope he plays Tangled Up in Blue. And my friend goes, he just did. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, he, was, he was pulling that all the way back in like you know i think yeah. 30 40 years ago yeah but no usually i would you know if i i almost like to hear a few mistakes because it means they're human you know <laughs> you know going to see these acts that i look up to like you know it, it's 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 nice to hear a bum note and again to know that you know because obviously yeah, it happens in my gigs i, I listen back and i'm like ah, i could have sang that a little bit better you know but I think it, it every set every concert is different for that reason, and maybe it's something special in that, you know. Did you ever see Sinead O'Connor live? No, I haven't actually. I would love to see her live. Yeah, no, I haven't. What's your take on her voice? Oh, I love her voice. It's amazing, absolutely, right? Absolutely, unbelievably stunning. I, I've I've covered uh, her version of Nothing Compares to You, and it, it's a tough song to sing, and she she did it unbelievably you know and still now i've heard her sing on tv and stuff and she's amazing yeah love her yeah she's another one where what nothing compares to you is deceptively simple sounding but it's not mm. yeah no it takes it takes a lot of of good technique to sing that song really well you know i'd love to see you do a chili peppers cover <laughs> yeah <laughs> me too I, I, oh wow i i would i would actually love to do a chili's cover i wonder what one i do i'd probably have to do something chill like um like road tripping or something like that you know <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna suggest that yeah that would be yeah. that would be great actually yeah um, i'm gonna have to do a version now and send that to you i have to do all that yeah i would love fun. to hear you do that <laughs> i think you would absolutely do a marvelous version um when you in terms of the autobiographical element of this album because it is it's incredibly personal it might be it feels like it's your most personal i'm a stranger but it feels like your most personal work to me as a fan um is that a little scary is that like um, a little bit you know uh, yeah it is it is the 
definitely the most personal I've ever gotten. And I think in my first album, I was all in for metaphor and, and trying to hide what I was saying, you know, but with this song, I think, especially since I wrote Heart and Bones, I wrote that like in a very quick moment at about one o'clock in the morning and I just scribbled it all out and didn't hardly change anything from what I first wrote because I think it was a therapy for me and I was I was pulling it out all, all of this really you know place that I had sort of forgotten about and um the second I sang it I, I sang it then the next day for Danny we were down in Dingle and and he was blown away and I could see that reaction of of yeah this is really personal but it, it connects I think that sometimes that level of honesty is what people connect with the most you know and and seeing that since heart and bones I've sort of got this new bug now of I I want people to be moved by this and I sometimes find it easier well first of all when you're honest people know you're honest in your lyrics and and they can tell that and they can feel that in the lyrics and the simpler you say something, the more, you know, the more someone can connect with them, you know, it's, you know, like a line in heart and bones. Um, I just can't get up off this floor. You know, I'm absolutely heartbroken. I'm completely, I'm laid out here in, in heartache. And that's something that so many people connected to that it made me stick with that and I, I I stick with it for you know stolen courageous you know still 17 a lot of the songs on the album are are saying exactly how I feel in that moment and and I sort of yeah I decided to stick with that I I, I as hard as it is and as as you really open yourself up to being like so oh, that's about that person? And they sort of almost know exactly what you're saying. Anyone close to you in any way will know who it's about, you know? And that's what even Stolen is about, um, meeting a, meeting an ex on the road who had heard Heart and Bones and, and asked me, is that song about him? Because he knew, you know, because this, the words were so obvious, you know? So then I wrote Stolen about that conversation. <laughs> so yeah, I, they are, they are very personal. They're very heart in your sleeve, but you know, the album's called Courageous for a reason, you know, not just for the song. It, it took a lot of courage to say all those things, to write, to write these songs, to even release this album, it took a lot of courage. And um, and I think having courage is one of the most admirable things and, and one of the most important things in life is having courage and being kind. And uh, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I tried to get across in this album, I suppose. How freaked out were you when, with the X conversation? Is that a song about me? And you're like, oh. Yeah, well, I had to be honest. Like I could, like, couldn't be like, no, it's, it's about someone else. I had to be honest. And yeah, I told, I told him it was about him. He's like, who else is it going to be about, you know? And um, I think, yeah, obviously that, you know, that conversation goes on and, and um, uh, you know, one of the lines in it is you ask me what I write about, how have you not worked it out, you know? And, and yeah, I suppose if you if you want the rest of that story, you have to get the next album. <laughs> <laughs> you can see I was going to ask. Yeah, <laughs> I have to start writing the songs for the next album now to tell everybody what happened after these songs. <laughs> a bit of a bit of a cliffhanger. Uh, although yeah. I think I have a theory. Um, okay. The but in terms of like keeping your because privacy is really important. 
um, and being courageous and being autobiographical is really, um, you know, a very giving, vulnerable thing to do. But you also have to preserve your stuff for yourself. So how do you separate the performative you from the private you with all this autobiographical connective tissue in between? Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe with humor, you know what I mean? Like I, I try not to take it too seriously. You know, they are, they are just songs and, and as, as you know, it does it's not the be all and end all, you know, and, and I do, I do try. And if I'm writing a song about someone, you know, to, to explain to them what I mean in the song if they know it's about them you know and that's that's really the only thing that matters is I I wouldn't want to ever write a song that that might someone might be hurt by and if if anyone else takes anything else from it it doesn't it doesn't really matter to me you know as long as it's not hurting anyone I don't mind being honest and open I think as a person I am quite honest and open and uh yeah, it has. I haven't really thought about it that much, to be honest about it. it hasn't affected my personal life in in any way negatively, to be honest. If anything, you know, writing Heart and Bones got me to have that conversation with someone, which is maybe what I what I needed. So, yeah. Uh, OK, yeah. yeah. Well, on like social media, like Instagram or whatever um, that, you know, there must be choices that you make of like, I'm not going to reveal this part of my life to that yeah. I'm just going to curate it very carefully yeah well the the only thing I really do that way is is it with relationships mm. I I tend not to tell the world if I'm if I'm uh, in a relationship now they might guess by the photos I share or whatever but I I try not I don't know why that's the one thing I think with my family everybody knows my family already so yeah. there's nothing there's nothing hugely to hide there you know what I mean um in terms of but yeah it I suppose that would be the only thing I I I try to be honest online because I think it's very easy to get into space where you're only sharing the good things that are happening in your life you know and nobody wants to hear about the days that aren't happy and you know but it's it's I something I want I'd like to be more conscious of because it is I think it can affect people's psyche to see some person might see me and though oh her life is perfect and look at all these amazing photos of her look at all these places she's been but I'm not posting the days where I you know I feel like crap like you know like here's yeah. a photo of me feeling like existential dread like you know <laughs> yeah. so yeah. yeah it is it is I that's the I suppose I am more guarded in my on the days that I, on the things that are, aren't going good in my life, but I don't know if that's a normal social media thing, but yeah, maybe it's something that we should change as a society. Yeah. <laughs> Existential dread. My God, that's a long day. <laughs> that happens to the best. <laughs> it does. I know it does. There's something to be said about, you know, someone like Freddie Mercury, where there was no social media. So for in my brain, he almost exists as like an alien, you mm. know, where like, he never posted like, here's me eating a sandwich. Here's me experiencing <laughs> existential dread. Here's me yeah. putting gas in the car. He was like, almost like a deity who just like opened his voice and, and performed. And then yeah. that was it. And yeah. so there's a fine line between like, revealing too much privacy, keeping yourself, um, you know, sort of a little bit of a buffer. Um, because it seems to me that that sometimes um, 
you know, reality could almost reveal that you're too human, right? Which is, which is, which is kind of strange. I don't know, it's a weird thing to say, but I think you know what I mean. I do, yeah. I, I, and yeah, I suppose some people would say, oh, you don't want to give too much because then you don't seem like you can't get to that Freddie Mercury position of being this mad star if you share too much personal things and part of me would love if there was no social media I think right uh, you know I I would feel I think it would be a lot easier you know to not to cut that out um in one sense but then in the other sense social media is the main way I connect with my fans you know and I don't know if I I would have as as good a career if it wasn't for social media because people want to follow your life they want to know you more than just as a singer you know they want to see who you are as a person and that's sort of that window into that and 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 they get to connect with you directly and send you messages and I love I love connecting with fans that way I love hearing from people about how why you know the, a song I wrote connected to them on this level and 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 helped them through this time and that's the best thing I could really ask for as a musician but there definitely are times when I'm like, oh, you know, I wish that wasn't there because I wish I could just be a musician and do gigs and 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 not have to put myself out there as much. So it's like sort of like a, this, you know, double-edged sword in a way, you know, but it, there's good and bad in it. And I think it's just important about for me to separate myself and not put too much, let it have too much hold over me, you know, to say, oh, looking at numbers and likes and 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 seeing how many followers I have like does does it really matter in the grand scheme of things you know are you doing something you love are you are you connecting with people are you know that's that's the real reason that I'm a musician so yeah just as long as I remember that and use the use the social media tool for to the best of my ability you know and not let it get in on your head type of thing because it is ultimately it is a tool yeah Right. That's all. That's all it is. And I think it's a good way to think about it. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of your daily discipline, are you pretty regimented? Because it seems the impression I get is that you are that you <laughs> like, I, I feel like you don't waste a lot of time. I feel like you're always you're on it. Is that is that a fair perception? I, I'm regenerated like I, when you were talking about earlier about like being in the zone of being busy. Yeah, I'm definitely regimented like now in <laughs> writing lists and getting ticking off stuff off the list but I'm not as regimented as, as I'd like to be in my creative space you know I, I I would love to to be spending x amount of hours a day just sitting at the piano but uh I don't know it doesn't sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day and when you're coming up to a release you're coming up to a tour yeah I spent a lot of time in the rehearsal studio with the band but uh spending a regimented time on songwriting that's something I I'd love to have more time to do and spend more time on but oftentimes that comes that will come now after after the tour after the album promo is finished I'll probably you know take maybe a month well ish intermittently a month off and and hopefully go down to Dingle for two weeks and just relax but also write and have that space to write I, I find it really important to when I'm writing to not have anything else on because to get yourself into that headspace and to be in a happy moment and not be thinking oh I need to answer that email or I, I have that gig tomorrow that I need to you know get my hair done for those stupid <laughs> things you know <laughs> to not have that to think about and just I'm writing I'm here in this nice place if I sit down at the piano and write something, that's a that's a good work day, and that's that's all I have to worry about. 
So that's usually my regiment, my yearly regiment going through uh, touring, you know, promotion, releasing, writing sort of goes yeah. in waves. I mean, you're talking about a normal artistic cycle, but with the pandemic, it completely upended that sequence, right? Totally. 100%. Yeah, it was, it's funny, in the beginning, when it first happened, I actually was really enjoying it. Like, I think I, I put pressure on myself in the industry, especially in Ireland, like looking at other acts and comparing myself to their success. And I'm thinking, oh, why didn't I get that gig? And they got that gig. And, and uh, it was a nice respite from that, like, because usually, even if you take a holiday from work, that everybody else is still doing stuff, you know? So when the right. lockdown came, every, nobody was doing anything. And it was a very nice feeling of like, I'm not doing anything. No one else is doing anything. And even if I tried, I couldn't do anything. So that pressure of, of going working was gone. And it was a very nice feeling for the first, you know, maybe <laughs> two months until it was like, wow, am I going to have a career to go, to go back to here? Right. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, then we get on, we got on all the, the online stuff and, you know, doing online shows and, and, you know, putting up covers and still releasing music. And yeah, I, I, I found it tough in the end, you know, I'm glad I got the respite because it did, it made me write a lot of this album that I don't think I maybe would have done. Otherwise I had so much time to write and write with different people. And, and that was amazing. But to be honest with you, it was only really, you know, more recently when I got back gigging that I was like, it was almost like a weight off my shoulder when I, after I got off stage, I was like, wow, this is what I've been missing. You know, all the online, the songwriting, being in the studio, none of it for me really compares to actually going out on stage and singing. Um, so yeah, I, I missed it a lot more than I realized. And I was like, oh, this is why, this is why I'm a musician, you know, yeah. <laughs> this is the main reason. And, and yeah, without it, I don't know, I don't know if I'd be a musician without live, live music, you know. It's amazing to think that, you know, for years, literally, I mean, two years almost, you couldn't go see a live show, which is so, right. Um, I saw, I went and saw Delamitri for the first, I mean, it was my first live show back in two years. I saw them maybe two weeks ago here in Berkeley. And I was sitting in the, it's a small club and I was looking around and I was like, okay, I think we're good. I think we're back here. This feels good. Um, but you know, not everyone's wearing a mask. Not every, you can't really enforce how people are going to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but it still didn't feel unsafe. It felt really good to be back. It just felt as a fan, it felt nice to take in that live experience. You know, it just felt so good. Oh, totally. Well, as a, as a musician, it felt amazing as well. That, yeah. I bet. <laughs> Um, by the way, have you ever heard this band Whipping Boy? Have you heard them? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's considered one of the greatest Irish albums of all time. Um, it's this album called Heartworm. And I just got my vinyl. I just ordered vinyl of it. It's, um, they must have been around in like late 80s, early 90s or mid 90s. Yeah. Whipping Boy. Check no, out. I have to check it out. I'm literally what, writing it down right now. I yeah, I think you're going to like it. Heartworm is the name of the album. Heartworm. Cool. Yeah, and there's a song in there called "When We Were Young," and mm -hmm. I, I, that, well, I bet you, I bet you could knock that one out of the park. Oh yeah, see what you think. Um, a lot of times when a, an artist comes on the show, the listener doesn't understand that like the album wasn't made yesterday. Like this, this album's been done, right? Yeah, yeah. So for, for you, it's old news, and so mm -hmm. you already know what happens in the sequel. Um, has your brain started to make connective ideas about what the next record will sound like? I know it feels so premature to ask you that, but it probably yeah. isn't premature, right? 
Um, I I haven't yet. No, I'm okay. I like to be honest with you. I go this even though this album has been years in the making. I'm trying to look at the list here. Like the oldest song on this album is probably better this way, which I I think I wrote that song about five five years ago. You know, okay. but there's like three songs like Courageous Night Stretches Through and um, what's the other one? Better Now. I I literally finished about two months ago oh really <laughs> yeah like I got I got the masters for them less than two months ago I think I'm just re finished re writing and recording them all in a very short space of time so even though it's been coming for so long it actually happened in my mind very quickly it's like oh wow we're doing this this is actually happening you know I was like a, even a year ago well maybe a year and a half ago I wasn't even sure if I was releasing an album you know so this really really came together in a short amount of time for me so like I suppose now like I'm going into the studio with the band and and getting the songs ready for for a live show and that is like a completely different kettle of fish in a way you know making it great on on, on a live stage so I'm still caught up in that and I haven't I, I while I've thought about yeah the themes and what what I'm gonna say next I think it's like it could be it's an open book it could be absolutely anything at this stage it could I part of me would love to go more folky part of me would love to go more indie you know get away from more pop sounds and do something different again but at the same time I love pop music you know it's right it's called pop for a reason <laughs> like you know I, I think I, it'll have to be really in the moment when when I make those sort of decisions and and to hear what sort of songs I'm writing at that time but yeah, probably later this year, once the album release stuff dies down, maybe in the summer, I'll start writing again. And yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. Let me know. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about how, so like, I always think in terms, I'm a writer. So I think in terms, like an album to me is novelistic, right? Like the way it's sequenced, mm -hmm. like it feels like an experience. For some strange reason, I I listened to your album on, on Shuffle. So it turned all the songs on. And I thought Night Stretches Through was the closer. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. And I was like, oh, because that's how it played out. It's my favorite. I love the whole album. It's my favorite yeah. track. But is I it? It oh, is. I, it is. I love it too. I, I love it so much. And I, but I thought that it, I thought it, it ended the album. I was totally mistaken. Oh, that could, it could have been good though. You know, when I, track listings, you know, they could go many different ways. I felt like I wanted to end Courageous because I think it, it enveloped what the album was and it sort of spoke to what I would do next. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what I've done. <laughs> I'm, I've got to be courageous. I'm going to be courageous. So yeah. yeah, I felt like the right ender for me. Yeah. It, oh, no, it is. It totally is. Now that I had to re reboot my brain around it, but Night Stretches Through, I can't, I can't get away from that track. Thank you. It's good to know. Yeah. My, my could be could be a Spotify single maybe next after Better Now is the single for the lead single for the album. So yeah. Mm, well, it's it's great work. Well, I listen, I love talking to you. I I love your whole family. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Thank you. I'm I'm going for dinner with Donnie now. I'll tell him you said hello. <laughs> tell him I said hello. Tell him we'd love to have him back on. And yeah. um and thank you for thank you for going deep with me. I really appreciate you having this chat. Nice. It was a really good chat. Thanks so much, Alex. Lovely talking to you.
Isn't she great? Roy Sheen O. Her new album is Courageous. By the way, everyone in that family is so nice. They're like the nicest people. I imagine inside their house, nobody ever fights. They're just like always in a good mood and always uh, very kind. Just a lovely brood. Anyway, Roy Sheen O's new album, Courageous, is fantastic. Please get it. You will be so happy to have it in your life. And I'm happy to have you in mind, by the way. Visit me at alexgreenonline.com. Visit Bombshell Radio at bombshellradio.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ember's Editor. You can follow me on Instagram at Ember's Podcast. Or you can email me, editor at stereoembersmagazine.com. Don't forget, Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate and review, and tell a friend. We appreciate you doing all those things we're asking you to do. So demanding, aren't we? Uh, let's close the show with a longer listen to Stolen, taken from Roisin O's new album, Courageous. Enjoy it, and thank you as always for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio. Can we talk a little while? Find a way to change your mind. You walk away. Every time Why'd I ever say goodbye You're in my head Every night Do I ever cross your mind Now we're strangers On the street And no one knows What's underneath